Welcome to episode 224 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. On today's episode, we recap bowl season and the playoff games. You can find this show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. And lastly, go share the pod with your friends. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South and Texas Pete. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host, Chris Marler. Chris, we have reached the top. Not our teams, but you are muted, so I cannot hear you. It's a metaphor, Tyler. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling today? Um, you know, it's the I just there's a lot of emotions I think that go into what happened yesterday. Less about the game, I think. It's but like like yesterday after the game, I was I was bummed, but I was less upset about the game than I was about just some other stuff that I'll get into. Um but then today when I woke up, everything hurts and I'm dying. Because like then today. I, I did a pretty good job. I felt like immediately kind of accepting the loss. And it, it, it kind of felt like, for, for a lot of reasons, which we'll get into, but I felt like I kind of accepted it and had like, and was good on it. And, and you know, I was, I was fine with the play call, Tyler. I was fine with the play call in the last, the last play. What I was not prepared for was then seeing it being broken down from like the, the Zapruder film. And realizing there was yet another bad snap, and then also Milrow still probably could have walked in if he cut it left. So that part stings a lot. And then, you know, before we get into it, I just the, the thing that sucks the most is that like you had a touchdown lead with fucking four minutes to go in. Yeah. So yeah. That, and you know, honestly, and for those that are listening. On the pod, I'm recording uh, at my office, so if you hear some background chatter, that is why, and I will try to mute as much as I can. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought uh, McCarthy looked pretty poor throughout most of the game until that final drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just turned it on. Um, okay, hold on. Please consider, like, first half, I didn't think he was great. Um, definitely second half, a little bit better. They were better on third down than than I expected them to be. Um, but he was just good enough. I mean, the, the run game actually all night wasn't great for Michigan. Um, and honestly, man, uh, I mean, sure. You probably look, I, it wasn't Bama's best game, but I'm sure you probably don't want to hear this, but I don't think Michigan really played their best game either. Obviously, clearly on special teams. Um, yeah, did you watch the game? Yeah, I watched it because I saw your tweet in like the third quarter of this, like back and forth. And it was like, about how like, this game sucks. So this game it was like some like gif of like it stinks. And I was like, this is am I watching this game? I, I felt like neither team played well. So I think all right, let's get let's I mean, yeah, it ended up being a close game. And of course, the back half of the game made it a, a much better game just because it was close, but I thought neither team really played that great. I thought kind of felt sloppy in a way. A lot I think, of drop there passes. Was a, there was a lot of sloppiness from like from Bama, especially. I thought Michigan played really well. I, I mean, you can say what you want to about the the um, the special team stuff, but I think that 
like, like what I was mainly surprised about was some of the reactions I was seeing was it didn't feel like they, the reactions were realistic or or they felt like they were like they, the reactions were, were happening because people did not want to see Alabama in the playoff. And I fully understand why. I fully get that. We've said it on the spot. I've said it. You've said it. Still think Florida State should have gotten in. That whole thing sucks and it's a shit situation and all that. Um, you had the number one versus number four team in the country with two of the best defenses, the number one ranked defense and everything across the board. I've, talked, I've given you guys all the stats that, that Michigan had. Um, I, I, I thought it was like it was going to be that kind of game. And then it turns into like an instant classic because you go to overtime. It, like anybody that watched that game and was upset with how it like it wasn't, they thought it wasn't a good game. I, I feel like you must not like college football. But that's everything you would want. It's two blue bloods. You it comes down the wire, it goes into overtime in the greatest venue in the entire fucking sport. I just was kind of shocked by that. But getting into the game, like you, the game starts, I'm all fired up. I I was I felt pretty good. I was a little bit nervous beforehand because I felt good about it all all three, four weeks leading up to it. And I kept thinking that line was gonna drop. I just kept thinking that line was going to drop and it didn't at all. And it felt like Vegas was just begging people to bet on Bama. And when I think it, it ended up at two and a half, didn't it? Before the game. Yeah. It moved, yeah. It moved to the full point the day of, and I was just kind of shocked by that. And I, and I got like, that made me really nervous. I was, that made me very nervous leading up to the game. And then I kept thinking about it too. And I wrote all these down. Like if you look at just the way Vegas has been on this year, they've been off so much. Like, you know, they were six point underdog to Georgia. They win by three. They were a one point favorite against, uh, or a three point favorite against LSU. They won by 14. 10, 10 point favorite by Kentucky. They win by 28. 14 and a half by Auburn. They lose, they win by four and should have lost. Like, so, you know, I felt like Vegas, even right as they always are, they, they've been off on Bama this year. And then the game starts. Um, also, maybe the easiest bet imaginable to make from a prop bet, Tyler. First series for both teams ending in a punt. Yeah, free money. Um, but I was I, I what I was expecting was I, I knew that Michigan was a good team as much as I, I went out of my way to shit on them. Like I knew that they were a good, good team. I did not think that they were good in the ways that they were like like when the game started, the first five minutes was a lot of fun, man. I was having a lot of fun the first five minutes. The first play of the game, I thought was a, you know, the return. Um that, and then, you know, you get a three and out and like the defense looked good and they you end up giving up two sacks in the first three snaps of the game, but you get the ball at the 30-yard line, right? Get yourself. Um, so that part was, you know, exciting. But then after Bama scored in the opening, that like after the that their first touchdown, the up 7-0, felt really, really good. Felt really, really good because I I, I just thought that that's what we were going to do. Um, and I thought the points would be harder to come by than they were. And, you know, all of a sudden you look at the first five minutes, you've already seemingly dominated the game. Michigan went right back down the field and answered like right back down the field and answered. And they, they did it in a way like the, the play calling and play design was so impressive to me and different than what I, what I thought was coming. I mean, like the way they used quorum, the way they, they like the misdirections and like the, the counter, the toss, like the way they had them out, come out of the backfield, like where, you know, we had to have somebody in coverage on them, like the, that led to the touchdown. I was really impressed with the way they schemed their play calling on the offensive side of the ball. That I did not expect. And JJ McCarthy, the first half you said that he didn't play that well. He was on fire. 
No, I, I just I never thought I saw anything from him in the game that was like, man, this guy's like anything special. I mean, I thought he was good late, but uh, that was just my takeaway. I mean, I I, I realized that seventeen and twenty seven, two twenty one, three TDs for the game. Yeah, that's obviously three TDs is great, but I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought he had because they couldn't run the ball. ball. I mean, until the very end of the game, Corum broke uh, broke off some runs late, but uh, but I mean, he finished with eighty three yards, which you know on twenty carries isn't fantastic. Um, yeah. So they needed McCarthy to carry him. I mean, I thought his you know overall his stats were pretty good, um, but I don't know. I just I, I it shocked me how poorly Milrow played in the past game. I mean, at one point he had six dropbacks and four, and had four uh, four sacks. But I think like what was what was most concerning for me was after like the the first play of the game, you get an interception and it gets overturned immediately. You get a stop, and you get that that muff punt, and and they they score on a thirty four yard run with like three minutes to go in the half. Alabama had thirty eight total yards, and they had a thirty four yard touchdown run. Like what was what was scary for me was that. Whenever Bama's offense was on the field, they had – it wasn't like they were missing – they weren't able to run the football. They weren't able to, like, you know, get anybody open. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. And Michigan was, like, suffocating and, like, you know, like running like a cover zero and just breaking the house. And, like, Milrow had nowhere to go. Like, the like the offensive line looked, like, you know, completely lost. Um I don't like. I don't remember like, any plays developing. Like I just don't remember any plays even even developing um, from either of them. So like I know there was like Mil- Milro took a lot of criticism because of how bad he was in the passing game. Um, keep in mind that it's like the best pass defense in the entire country. Uh, and I thought that for the first twenty eight minutes of the half, what was like scary was that you were only you were tied in the game seven seven, and I think they ended up being thirteen to seven right before the last possession that Bama had before halftime. But up until that point, Bama did nothing on offense where it was like it felt like they should have been dominated. They were lucky to be that close. And like I said, Michigan scores. They were able to move the football effectively. They were able to convert on some third downs and fourth downs. I tell you what, not even converting on third downs. Anytime it was like second, third and long, they were able to either convert or get within like a one yard fourth down play where where they can they can go for it and. There were some like I wouldn't say backbreaking plays with the defense, but they they did not do a good job of of getting off the field. They they looked lost, especially the linebackers in the first half looked lost in coverage, which that's what I wasn't expecting. Um, I remember I was, like, Robbie Buffett, one of my good buddies, Bama fan, texted me before half and like sky is falling, you know, you're down 13-7, we have to score here, and I, I kept thinking like we don't need to score, but you absolutely need to get some sort of sustained drive going into halftime to have any sort of confidence. And then hope they make adjustments, and they they did. They finally got it going in the passing a little bit, um, and they go in the half down thirteen ten. Now the second half, Tyler, I, I just I kept thinking they're going to do. Hopefully they're going to do what they've done all year, which is make halftime adjustments because at that halftime they had been completely outcoached, outplayed, and outschemed. And I kept thinking like you know, hopefully they'll just make adjustments like they've done all season. They're a second half team a lot of times, and they they did. The offense looked totally different. Almost, it, it almost felt like they had, like, slow played them, like a rope-a-dope type thing. Where it was like all of a sudden the, the offense is opening up. We're, we're being able to do more stuff. Like, we're being more creative. Like, all all of the plays 
had way more success than they did in the first half, obviously. And then on defense, they held Michigan to on their first 24 play, I'm sorry, sorry, first 12 plays of the, the second half to just 24 yards. You, they took full control of the game. And I will say that at one point, I, don't, I forgot if it's, I think it was the third quarter or fourth quarter, Bama pulled up. They were up by four. They got a stop. And Bama had the ball at midfield and they were driving. And it, it felt like for the first time all game, they're going to go down here and they're going to put these fucking people away. And that's what I say all the time. Like, like, what do elite teams do? When you get the chance, you put you put your fucking foot on someone's throat and you don't let up. And Milro rolls out to his left. He's got a guy wide open in the flat and he gets super indecisive and like he's going to throw it and doesn't. And then he gets hit from like the side and fumbles. And just like that, it, like, I wouldn't say you lost all the momentum because the result. Yeah, they didn't was, score off that, did they? No, you got very lucky. They, they missed a field goal. Um, yeah, that's right. You, you dodged a bullet there. But at the same time, it, it really felt like a missed opportunity of being able to, like, like, like here's one thing that really, really bothered me for most of the game. It was like even when Bama had a chance to, to flip the field, like, you know what I mean? They couldn't even do that. Um, but that turn Well, they, I mean, they flipped the field. I felt like Bama's punt team, especially, really, like, that, when you say, like, when you watch the game, it felt like, especially in the first half, Bama, uh, Michigan was dominating and, and Bama was kind of should be happy where they were down three. Yeah. I mean, I felt like if they didn't have that, like, extremely great hunting night, like, it could have been much worse. Um, right. And Michigan was, like, the total opposite. Like, the, the special teams yardage, I think, was, like, plus 54 in turn in, in favor of Bama. Bama. Um, yeah, I think that uh, what was – especially that last punt of the game. Um, oh, my God, dude. What went, what went through your mind when, when he first muffed that? Because if they recover that in the end zone, I mean, the game's over, basically. <laughs> I – I, I don't. Even, I don't think I had words. I was like, because I, I was so confused why, what, how it happened, and then, and then also, side note, Harbaugh punt timeout. returners so bad these days. I don't know. I feel like people are muffing punts everywhere now. Bama's been really fortunate on that, but you know, back to like the, the fourth quarter, the way it was playing, was playing out. Like I, I didn't feel good in the first half at all. It felt like this. It, I, it wasn't like Bama wasn't playing well. It's like, or it's like one of those games where like, oh, so and so is just their night, and like we can't do anything right. You were just being kind of felt like dominated on the lines of scrimmage, and you were being out coached. Like, like Probably in the first half, it, it never really felt like Bama's O line was getting dominated like physically by Michigan. They just yeah. seemed confused, like constantly. Like it felt like Michigan was always having some somebody wide open to the quarterback. Yeah, like, and they had what five sacks in the first half, and then one in the five second sacks half, right? in the first half. The sack rate, sack rate was 21% for Michigan. That's insane. It's on 21% pass list. Six dropbacks and four sacks for Milro. Like, that's why I was like, like, it didn't feel like anything could happen. And it wasn't like those, like, sacks where it was like, it's his fault. He, he couldn't, he, like, you know, should have thrown the ball away or whatever. It was just like, just, they were on him immediately. Anyway, so you, you, you get to, I'm trying to think here. You get to the third quarter is scoreless, right? And you go into it, it's, you're down 13-10 going into the fourth. But you score at the start of the fourth quarter, right? 
And, and it was like, they were able to start converting passes. They were, it was like the run game got going like and justice Hayes. That one pass by Miller was an absolute dime to the sideline. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Which for on who to, to bond. I think it was bond. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was like an NFL, like it was to the, you know, the outside hash, like just perfect pass. Um, and I really, that's what I felt I was like, man, they are really starting to move the ball. Yeah. Justice Haynes looks great. Like he's going to be a really good player. Yeah. I don't know why he just now got, got involved in the game. It was kind of odd, but like, it was good, I guess. Especially because um, like, it's not like Bama's running back room was like, it normally is, you know. He had, he had twenty one carries the whole season. All of a sudden, he was he was like involved. But again, it seemed like they finally turned the corner. Because remember at the start of the second half, by the way, Bama got the ball. They get they crossed midfield, and then you immediately had like I think a bad snap or, or or two sacks or something like that in a row. And so like that momentum was gone. But they score, and, and it was like they were finally able to start doing stuff like in the run game. But like the the there was they had time to throw. Like something had just clicked, and they had turned the corner. And again. Up until this point, Tyler, Michigan had 24 plays. I'm sorry, 12 plays for 24 total yards. They had they had 82 yards rushing at halftime, and with four minutes to go in the game, they had 80. And Bama gets the ball, and like like they they go up seven. Um, and I tell you what, man, like Michigan's a really great team, and this Bama team has been flawed all year. But you had a touchdown lead with four minutes to go. And and it wasn't like they had good field position or anything crazy like that. They had the ball at their own 25-yard line after kickoff. And Michigan went right down your throat, man. And they like they 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 at the stat I saw that stuck out and hurt the most from looking at it was Alabama had allowed 24 yards on 12 plays in the first um what do you call it? 26 minutes in the second half. The final 10 plays over the last drive in overtime for Michigan, it was 10 plays for 100 yards. You had the, you had them where you wanted them, and and the unit that that has pulled through the most, the defense, it was on them. Like it, like it was on them to win that game, and it, I, I that part is still kind of shocking to me. You had no pass rush. You couldn't you couldn't get to the quarterback. Only had one sack all night. Didn't get a lot of pressure. Um, and again, kudos all, all this to Michigan. Like Michigan deserved to win that game. But the thing that I kept saying all year, and people got upset about how critical I was of this team, Tyler. But they just didn't consistently do things that elite teams do, like at all. Like like I said, it. I feel like every other game, Bama would do something that elite teams just don't do. And it's you know I know they won the SEC, I know they beat Georgia and, and all that kind of stuff. But they they did a lot of stuff that elite teams that win championships don't do. And they were able to overcome a ton of it. But when you have a center that is not able to do the most basic part of his fucking job, which is snap the fucking football, and it's week 14, and you're still having those issues, that that part was really, really frustrating. And I think that they when they when they tied it up and Bama had to go to overtime, I did not feel good about it because I I just kept thinking I was like, they have a lot of momentum. They just drove right down your throats, and if they score first, I don't think Bama can score. It just like like they they for whatever reason the offense just looked lost after that, and sure enough, Michigan gets we we win the toss, we defer. Michigan gets the ball, two plays, twenty five yards, both run plays, right down your fucking throat. 
and Bama gets a first down and, 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 you know, like has a chance, man. They have a chance. On fourth and three, they they ran a – they apparently it was supposed to be an RPO, but it wasn't. It was a designed run play to, to Jalen Miller up the middle. And I honestly, Tyler, I like the play call. I really do. He's yeah, yeah. In that moment, yeah, he's the best playmaker on your offense. You gotta, you gotta. If you're, you'd be pissed if you're a band fan. It's like a tight end out to CJ Deeper or whatever. Like, yeah. why are we doing that? And it's, Put it in your playmaker's hands. It's so easy to look at like hindsight being 2020 and like what they should have done. Tyler Reese sucks. And like, listen, like Bama, Bama deserved to lose that game. There's, I don't, I don't know if the play calling was the the main reason. I, and you can second guess that play call all you want. Jalen Milrow, if anything, deserved deserved to have the ball put in his hands in that moment, and and I, I did like that. Should you maybe give him an option to to you know go like run pass option like where he rolls out as well has some space, maybe. Um, but what broke my fucking will was not that they got stopped. It was an incredible game that like you know. I hate to sell you an Auburn fan, but they fought till the end. But like when he got stopped, if the game was over and you realize the season's over and this incredible, crazy run that this very, very flawed team took us on all year was done. And then you see where the snap was from the center, the start of the play. And then you see like the right guard getting blown up. And then after all of that, you see. Oh my God, he had a lane. If he cut left, he probably could have walked into the end zone. I think that it, like this team was, if if I'm being honest, like you could say that they not only didn't deserve to be there over Florida State necessarily, um, but it, I, it, it's kind of shocking that they were they even got like to the college football playoff this year. Like, so that doesn't necessarily make me feel a ton better because he still lost. Um, but it, it kind of felt like, you know, you play with fire at some point, you're going to get burned. And they had gotten away, not gotten away with, they were able to overcome their own fucking flaws and inefficiencies so much over the year. And I feel like they finally they caught up with them. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think it was one of Saban's better coaching jobs, all things considered. Because, I mean, ultimately, the the lack of, Playmaking skill players on offense is kind of a head coach's issue. Like you gotta have those guys in place. But yeah. given the roster and where it's at, to still be able to make the playoffs, I thought it was a really good coaching job. And hey, you know, our I I guess uh you get to get old Nick Saban back next year then. You know, he won't retire. He won't have the storybook ending. Yeah, I mean I think that I think that, that part like sucks. I think it's like it was weird to me to see the the general reaction from the other other fans afterwards because I knew there was gonna be shit talk. I I I, I had to stand in the paint and take everything that Michigan fans gave me deservingly so because I was very vocal about that. Um, and and listen, like I, we I haven't given them enough credit, but like I could not have been more impressed with how good of a job they did from a coaching standpoint of how they prepared for Alabama. Mentor was awesome. He was all Harbaugh was awesome. Like. Think about the stuff that Michigan overcame in that game, like the the two muff punts, like the missed field goal, the the like the missed extra point, the missed extra point. They should have never even been in the situation. Right, right. Um, you know, they were they, horrific they, on special teams. They were really bad, and and I think that what they were able to do again, man, 
like I guess I just said they do what elite teams do, and that's that is when like they overcame adversity every time they had to had to have a play. And I, I think you know it's easy to, to uh, people I thought were very quickly to be armchair quarterbacks and break down how like these teams suck and this game sucks like you know like th- this team should have been in or, or blah, blah blah. I thought it was a really evenly matched game. I I, I really was as, as much as I've shit on Michigan. I was very impressed. I don't say blown away, but kind of blown away with how well prepared they were, how fundamentally sound they were. Like the penalties, like they they I know what happened in like their in special teams, but like that was a really, really impressive football team with some really good athletes. And when they needed it most, and again, down fucking seven against a Nick Saban defense with four minutes to go on the biggest stage of the year, and you go right down their throats. I, like it, it was just an incredible job. So kudos to them. They deserve to win. Um, kind of going through just the emotions afterwards, Tyler. I I don't know if I've been this bummed about a loss. It felt like like maybe ever. Like I was devastated in 2016 against Clemson. That was awful. And and I hate losing in general. This sucked for so many reasons. And I honestly I felt like I was gonna fucking cry afterwards, like not because they lost, but as soon as the game ended, it hit me. I was like, this has been the most enjoyable season as a fan that I've had in forever because this team, like, you know, you got to, you didn't have to take it for granted. And there were so many great moments and all that kind of stuff. And it was I'm not excusing the fact they lost or, or trying to have like a moral victory. It just going through the season, looking at all of the stuff that, that I, I mean, that fourth and 31, something I'll, I'll get to remember forever. Right. Like the Tennessee comeback was a fucking like the, the vengeful pettiness that I got to experience with that. The way they, they turned everything around from like the Texas loss, to, you know, into Ole Miss in the second part of the season. Um, it was a really, really fun team to watch. I don't know if I've ever been like more proud of a, of a team. Cause I, I do think they had a lot to overcome, even though you brought the roster, the roster is still the number one ranked roster for whatever reason in college football. It was a great season and it hit me all at once that not only is the season over, but like this has been the most rewarding season for me personally and professionally. I feel like we hit stride so much. I feel like I've made so many changes that I've, I've alluded to kind of in the off season. It has been the most enjoyable and rewarding year I've, I've ever had in this, in this job. And then realizing it was just over like that was that, that part sucked. Cause now like, you know, you look at the off season that that part hit me like a ton of bricks. That that sucked. But um, man, I, I thought it was a great game. I thought the, the best team won. I you know, I, I don't really have anything else outside of that. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, certainly can relate to really enjoying a season and having a heart wrenching ending. Ah, okay. Uh, I got it. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want to talk about the 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 shit talk from the other fans? I, I, I we talked about Bama a ton, so we should probably take a break from it. And talk about the sugar bowl, yeah. but I I still have some things to say. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the sugar bowl and then we'll get into kind of the remainder of the yeah the playoff or the the bowls. Um, this game was incredible. Um, I, I knew you know I think most people thought it would be high scoring, but Washington ends up winning thirty seven thirty one. Um, in a game where <clears throat> it really felt like Texas was kind of lucky to be in it at some points. Yeah, um, I mean. Michael Penix is incredible. Like, dude, I, I, I it's hard. To, I, he looks weird throwing the ball. I don't know what it is about him, but it's like, like, it's, like it's, it's a sidearm, but it's lefty sidearm. It's, it's, yeah. it's like 
it's it's like a, I don't know how to explain it, but it's it's weird. Yeah, but I mean, dude, that guy throws absolute dots down downfield. Like he throw. Yeah, his average depth of target is ridiculous. Like he's throwing it down the field, and the ball is on the money every time. Uh, that ball that he threw down in the red zone, where he just. I mean, it was a seed right in the middle of like three defenders right to his tight end. I mean, it was yeah. just a, an incredible performance. I thought yours for the most part was pretty average um, until the end. Like he he took he turned it on certainly at the very end, but I mean, he I think he had like ninety six yard passing going into like the fourth quarter or something mm-hmm. crazy. Like so, this is I was looking at this and I, I I the first half of this game I was like I was. Yeah, you were handling, handling everything great. that I had to respond to with with my own uh, the consequences of my own actions on on Twitter, um, and then and I also I just kind of thought that like, like Texas is like I talk about all the time how we keep we keep like dismissing and discounting how good Washington is, and, and of course I did it again because I just thought Texas would win this game. I thought they were better on both sides. I mean, they Washington was up thirty one twenty one going into the fourth. You you're right. Yours at one point had yours at one point had. He was 10 of 20 for like 100 yards. Yeah. And he ended the game with 318 yards. And I I told Tyler this off, off air. I, like, as soon as they recovered the onside kick, I went to bed. And oh, had no so idea what unfolded. And I missed everything. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so essentially, you know, as so first of all, like, I felt like Washington never really should have been in this spot because even as they were up two scores, they were throwing the ball on every down. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't really trying to kind of grind the clock out, which, I mean, I guess when you have Penix and those three receivers, which is by far the best receiving core when you talk about having three guys that are NFL guys. Yeah. Washington's That's receivers. the thing people that don't understand about Washington is that I think that we assume this is some like air raid system that they only, they're only putting up these numbers because of the system. And part of that's true because they do throw the ball a ton, but they have dudes on that offense. Oh, yeah. Um, so they go, you know, so when they finally get it to 37, 31, um, they rightfully run the ball mm-hmm. and technically had two timeouts. So they stopped it twice and then Washington runs it a third time and Dylan Johnson, like their workhorse running back, like, I don't know what happened. He was like writhing in pain on the, on the, right on the field, but he couldn't come off. And so there had to be an injury timeout. So instead of having the clock down to like 15 seconds, you punt that, you know, there's like 10 seconds and they're down on the 10. You're suddenly punting with 50 seconds left and then you run into the punt catcher. Right. So they immediately have the ball in like the 30 to start and all they need, they need a touchdown to win. Um, And, you know, they get a huge play right off the bat to Jordan Whittington. It's on third down. Yeah, on third down, but like no time to come off the clock. There was still like 30 seconds right. left when that happened. That's what I couldn't um, understand when you were watching back on the replay. It was like, how is time standing still right now? Like, what the fuck is going on? I'm sure Kalen DeBoer felt that way. Yeah. Um, and for what, for a moment, it looked like Washington was going to have like an all time just bad luck type thing happen because if that, honestly if the guy doesn't get hurt for first of all he's probably gonna be out for this michigan game like he got mm-hmm. hurt really badly um and you know you look at the box score like nobody else really ran the ball for them right. so i don't know what they're gonna do there um but they you know they get down to the 12 yard line they had first and 10 on the 12 yard line 
and they had four downs to try to get in the end zone. Washington Bam. bucked up at the end. And this Washington team, you know, that's the thing that I love about this matchup coming up, and we won't break the game down uh, in this episode, but Washington has been tested in almost every game they've been every. in. Yep. They're, they are they are very much battle-tested. And now Michigan rose up to the challenge in the Bama game, but, like, to that point, they had had no real challenges at all, all season. Right. Now, they, to their credit, they rose up, but Washington is living in these games where – it's just going to be close. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, I think uh, Michael Penix was incredible. He only behind Burrow for uh, yards yeah. in a game in the playoffs, 430 yards passing, two touchdowns, no picks. Also, also behind Mac Jones in that list. Also, you see that Burrow was on there twice for the same playoff. That's ridiculous. Stupid. Um, you have, like, uh, for a large part of the season, that Washington didn't have Jalen McMillan, and he's yeah. clearly a big difference maker. Because you can't cover him, Adunze, uh, Adunze, and Polk. You just right. can't get all three covered. And so, um, yeah, man, Texas, um, a great year. Obviously, their their trajectory is definitely up. But, yeah. look, Washington, we, we at one point, I think we, we obviously backed off it at one point. But, like, we were both like, Washington is the best team in the country. We had them at number one in the country early on. And I think that we also – I think at that part of the season when you, you haven't played as much competition yet, it's also easier to look at. Yeah, and um, then you're like barely scraping by Arizona State, and there was like they barely scraped by Washington State. It's like, okay, that's why I thought Oregon was going to be a great bet. Yeah, I mean, they, they haven't they haven't had a double-digit win, okay? Think about this. I'm trying to pull up the set right now. Connor said it to me a million times. I probably should have had it memorized by now. They have not had a double-digit win this since – um, the cow game, which was in the month of September, on September twenty third, September twenty third. So they played ten straight games. They played uh, ten straight games, and and they've all been close scores and stuff like that. And like, I don't think that situation where they're playing with fire. They they are a team that is very veteran. They know how to win. Um. One of the they have like, the, the best O line in the country. They have Joe Moore Award. Um, you know, I, I, one of the things that I was I was surprised about the most, and this isn't like I don't want to like be negative about the way the game played out and, and only have that be the takeaway because I thought it ended up being a really good game. Texas put up 256 total yards in the fourth quarter and came storming back. Credit to them for not giving up. But the one thing that that I think is going to sting, and and the, when you when you look back at this one and like like how do we fucking lose that game or how do we not do this in this season? Steve Sarkeesian, for as much as I, I've said over and over that I think he's the best offensive mind in all of college football and how great he is. And he's he's done a phenomenal job in year three at Texas. They I mean they are back. The, mm-hmm. the two games they lost, Tyler, you look at the OU game and you look at Washington. That OU game they had two different um possessions inside the five yard line and they were turned away. They had a goal line stand that, that they let happen, like I think the third quarter against OU, or OU stopped them. You lose that game by three points, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this game, now you could argue they shouldn't have been in it at, all, at any point, and they were very fortunate to even get down there. But first, you said first and goal from the, the 10, first and goal from the 12. 12. Yeah. And 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 listen, he he had he's had some weapons. He had weapons at Alabama with with those receivers and everything like that. 
he I don't say that this offense is as good as that one necessarily, but my God, man, if you if you're if you're telling me that you got three you get three plays, you're on the 12 yard line, and and Steve Sarkeesian has at his disposal Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, who I probably would have thrown two, three times, Jatavian Sanders, Jordan Whittington, and and uh and Baxter running back, like I, kudos to Washington for getting the stop, but I I think that's the part that's like, like the toughest pill to swallow if you're a Texas fan or if you're Steve Sarkeesian himself because that's that's where you should thrive. Like you, you had the game in your hands at that point and and couldn't get it done. It honestly, to me, when I was watching it, it felt like Florida State LSU last year went all the way up to like putting one second back on the clock, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, they're gonna and you know had they scored, it would have been tied and they would have to hit an extra point to win. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm really excited for the Washington-Michigan game because I, Washington has the best offense in the country. Michigan mm-hmm. has the best defense in the country. So it's going to be a very – and I think with Washington's O-line, they can stack up with the D-line of Michigan. Um, and so man, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think it's the best as far as if you're looking for outcomes um, in terms of enjoyable games. I think that's probably the best you could have gotten. Although these yeah. two teams playing each other was a great matchup as well. I think that I, I said this going into the, the playoff. I, I, I know people were upset about who got in and why and all the reasons. And, and, and people are still clearly upset about that. And some people deserve, like deserve to be upset. Like they, or like it's, or it's valid that they're upset. I, I get it. Um, I said before though, I thought that this, this was the most evenly matched four teams across the board that we have seen probably in the entire 10 years of the playoff. And it played out that way. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, like, Bama and Michigan was a very, very evenly matched game. People call it sloppy all you want. So it's phenomenal overtime in the Rose Bowl, man. Like, and then you have this game, the way it, it played out in the Sugar Bowl with with two. That listen, only one of the brands is is necessarily like a blue blood, but these are two of the best teams in the country. And I I thought it was the semi. I thought the semifinals were were arguably the best besides maybe last year they've 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 ever been, and. I'm not going to sit here and say the committee got it right by any means, but I think that the four teams that were playing, the dumbest shit that I saw afterwards was was immediately running to discount like this team shouldn't have been in because of this happening. I so well, let, let's talk about Georgia Florida because I saw takes coming from all over the place on this one, um, and. Uh, Let's just talk through some of this. A lot of people mad that force it, calling them bad culture quitters because they're all their guys opted out. Right. Look, I don't know. Like Chris, I know you obviously played competitive sports. I grew up playing competitive sports. When you're, especially, and also, we got to change our mindset because we're 37 years old. We have probably a different take than when we were maybe 19, 20. Yeah. But if you go out. And you fight through adversity, like just like Bama went through. You know, the, you you had multiple games, big moments in the season. You went undefeated, and it is so hard to go undefeated, so no matter hard. what conference you're in. Yep. Um, and someone, basically, a group of people says, you know what? Even even through all that, we don't think your team is good enough because you right. don't have your quarterback. Then there's nothing left to play for, in my opinion. Um, there's I agree. Nothing- and, and think about it. it had all their players played and they beat Georgia. Florida State is not the type of school, just like Georgia's not, just like Bama's not, that's going to be like, well, we win. We're not UCF. We're not going to claim a national championship. That's that's lame. 
Right. So people that are like, you couldn't claim the chip. No, it's not going to happen. We're not going to do that. So the best thing you do is you go undefeated and you and you beat a Georgia team, which clearly looks probably like the best team in the country still. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hate the takes of like this. This is all about bad culture. They they boycotted the game in their own way. They, they could have just they could have just said, look, we're going to boycott the game totally. We're not going to show up. But their way of doing that was all their best players said, "We're fuck this. We're not. We're not going to be a part of it. We you've already told us we're not good enough, so we're done. We're looking on to other things." Yeah. And it turned into a lot of like, "Well, this is why you know." And I get it. Like Georgia, like the fact that all their players played basically that had like NFL futures and weren't injured, like didn't have a ton of like important opt outs. Like I think that is commendable, especially in a game that doesn't make sense. But so, yeah, go ahead. But, you know, Kirby made a good point. He said, we got to, after the game, he's like, clearly their roster affected this game. Mm-hmm. And he said, they have a good football program. They had a really good year this year. And those kids, basically the second and third stringers, that had no chance in this game from basically the kickoff. Because let's be very clear. I'm not using the opt-out as an excuse as why it was 63-3. to but I am saying, I get it. Georgia had a lot of opt-outs, too. And they played their second and third stringers. You know, their second and third stringers are better than everyone else's second stringers in the country. <laughs> yeah. And Florida State went won five games two years ago. Their, yeah, their roster is not there really yet. forget about that. Like that yeah. like the, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal, like, starting 22. They, did, right. it's, they were great. But, like, yeah. they didn't yeah, have the depth. not there. And so – the, I, thought, I thought the tweet that kind of summarized it the best was this guy from Louisville that co- covers them. He says, it's kind of amazing in some folks' eyes. FSU isn't the, isn't the FSU from the first 12 games if Jordan Travis is gone. But this Florida State team minus 40 players is an exposure of the Florida State team that we watched all right. season. Because you saw people like, this is why Florida State didn't get in. Or Florida State needs to stop bitching. Like, they're, they're, obviously, they, are, they never would have done anything. It's like. You're not being, you're not having a, an honest argument if that's if that's your argument. I I don't know if I'm being a prisoner of the moment here, but I, I genuinely feel this way at this morning as we're recording this. I don't think I've ever seen a a stretch of worse, lazy, dumbass fucking takes when it came to this game, these two teams, and then the Rose Bowl with Alabama and and and, and all of it like individually and all tying it together because yeah one like one thing i hate about like just sports media now and and, and what's successful is the more incendiary a take is like the more hot like you know like controversial the more dumb shit you say like the 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 more screen time and airtime you're gonna get it's the only reason why fs1 i think is even fucking like a viable option to have any kind of programming that's not live sports they say the right. dumb shit on there and it's like and, and people will react to it and then one thing about social media is that it's always it, it, people have a very hard time separating like, like, Hey, you said this and I don't necessarily agree with it, but also since it's not, that's not where my thought is it here, here, there's the best example. When people say on Twitter, Oh, I really like apples. And then somebody tweets back at him like, Oh, so you fucking hate oranges. Like there's no yeah. better example of how like social media can work. And it was the weirdest thing to watch. Like I, I knew it was coming, and and FSU again. I think they deserve to be in the playoff. I think they still would have lost to Michigan. I think they deserve to 
at least had the chance to lose to Michigan. I'm happy my team got in. I can only say it so many times. Mm-hmm. Also, this whole idea of like, you know, they should have played this game to prove a point. That is, that's your opinion of some people. Like that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That. But to not understand why they wouldn't want to, and to label this team as like they quit and they, they were, you know, bitching and like real champions would have, would have, they, if they were, you know, competitors, you want to prove it on the field. Like Stake Shapiro said some fucking dumbass shit. Oh. So like about how like you want to prove your prowess, they proved their prowess in the 13 fucking games they already played to get yeah. here. Now, all of that is true. And and I, fu- listen, I fully understand why they, why they boycotted the game or left, like, whether it was yeah. NFL draft, whether it was like transport or what the fuck ever, because you said it best. The committee told you unless you play the SEC or ACC or Big Ten, you don't matter. And I would mm-hmm. be really frustrated. And these are again, these are eighteen to twenty-two year old kids that, like, you know, like you are, you run on emotions there. It, yep. it's, it was a nightmare scenario for them. All of that is is true and can be true. And another thing can be true, which is this is the worst possible fucking matchup they could have ever been given because right. This is not this is not a difference in cultures, but Georgia is a really really good culture that Kirby Smart has built. And the moment they announced that game, it was like, oh man, yeah, I, don't, I, I think that Georgia coming off a loss and being twenty nine and one over the last few years, they they are going to be the way that he runs that program, a team that's going to want to prove something. And yeah. and like you know, and, 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 and Carson and, Beck's coming back next year, so he's not he's going to be playing the game, and like right. they, you know. I've seen the list that Georgia fans are throwing out. Well, these are all the guys that opted out for us. And it's like, great. Yeah. And all your other like superstar players that you had all year outside of Bowers are all playing in the game. Well, so, and here's the thing too, Tyler. And it all is, their backups are five stars. Right. And, and and all of that being said, the bottom line, regardless of any of that, is that Georgia's also a much better team than than FSU. Yeah. That, like like it, we knew that's that okay going to say. into the game. Yeah, going into that game, like I don't know what would have happened if both teams were fully healthy, and we're not going to ever know. Georgia still would have won. Yeah, sure. I, now, I, if Tra- I, even if Travis played, I, I think Jordan. I think Georgia still would have won. Sure, sure. But like the whole like dick measuring contest about like the, the yeah. portal who walked out that was super weird. I, I thought that like the moment this game was announced, it was the worst possible scenario for for Florida State to go into. And again, give credit to Kirby Smart for for what he's been able to do to build that culture because I think he, he is right. Again, two things can be true at the same time, but like this idea that no one else does it. Bama did it last year. They had three top 12 picks that played in a meaningless sugar bowl. And, mm-hmm. but I thought this was a bad situation going for Florida state because they were the, the, the talent differential, the, the, like the, just the overall mood of the program going into yeah, it. The emotions. And, and if there's a guy that's going to prove a point more than anyone, the if there's a person that's going to prove a point more than anyone else in the country, it's Kirby Smart. Yep. And, and like, I don't think he ran up the score at all. To I don't. To I don't either. Now, when they're I, like they're having Muschamp's kid drop back, I'm like, all right, let's 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 fucking put this dude in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I totally actually, I, I I'm totally with you there. Like, I thought Kirby could have. It could have been. He could have named the score honestly. Yeah. And um, but also the fact that he went out of his way after the game that to be like, I hurt for those kids in that locker room because right. and there's something wrong with the, like we need to fix like he uses an opportunity to fix the overall total game of college football. Yeah. Or at least try to have give his opinion. And I thought that I was, think that's that what was he nice. was trying to do. I think I think the point he was actually trying to prove is I think he was trying to prove a point was that this this doesn't be fixed. He said it directly after the game. This needs to be fixed. And yeah. 
I don't think he would have done anything to like to embarrass the program or show Mike Norvell or whatever. I think that yeah. they had something to prove to themselves the way that that team ended the season, and, and they did. And like, listen, Georgia has lost two games in three years and is still a, a elite program and all that kind of stuff, and, and will be in contention again next year. That's all great. I, I have I have a, I did a deep dive on some of the numbers from um, from their three year stretch. We'll get into. I mean, at some point, uh, actually, I'll just get into it now. Um, the, the three year stretch they've had. So 42 and two overall uh, over the last three years, Tyler, the um, 36 and on the regular season, they had 29 consecutive wins of those 42 total wins. 36 were by 10 plus points. 29 were by 20 plus points and 17 were by 30 plus. You had almost 70% of your, your wins were by 20 plus points in that stretch. Tyler, they were 16 and two against top 25 teams. Their average margin of victory against ranked opponents was uh, 27 points. They averaged 38.9 points per game against top 25 teams. Um, and then against top 10 teams, they were 9-2. and two. Looking at what they did in the postseason, they were 6-2 and two overall, 5-0 and oh in bowl games. Their average margin of victory in bowl games was plus 31.2. They were 4-0 and oh in the college football playoff. Uh, in the conference, in the SEC, they went 26-2, and 18-0 and versus the SEC East. Again, undefeated in the regular season. Against their rivals during the last three years, they are 12-0. and oh with an average margin of victory of 23 points. They Tennessee, Georgia Tech, Florida, and Auburn, they beat all of all three of those, or I'm sorry, all four of those teams by at least 21 points or more. It has been a phenomenal three years, maybe the best we've ever seen from a, a, a you know an SEC team at any point in history. Now, I say all that. I say all that to say incredible game. They're an incredible team. And and they may they may still be the most talented team with the most upside and potential to win a national championship if they got in the playoff. This whole idea that I saw from the like the lazy taste that as it as it like pertained to my team. Well, Jalen Miller only threw for 116 yards. My quarterback could have done that. So like so and so could have done that. We should have put this team in. Well, here's the thing: your team fucking lost to him. Your your team like I. I understand that this year was tough because you could have made a like a good case for six teams to fit into four spots. And, and I get that. But this idea of, of after watching Alabama lose in the Rose Bowl, if you're a person that decided to use that loss as a foundation for an argument of my team should have beat my team would have beat Michigan. Your team lost to the team that lost to Michigan. That was my thing, too. The same type of argument. They were like, well, Georgia felt like they got snubbed from the playoff, too, and they didn't quit. It's like, did you guys realize that there's no actual – it's like the apples-oranges thing again. It's like you guys lost going into the last weekend. We won, and we still got left out. Therefore, what else do you have to prove in an exhibition game? So – the the thing that bothered me, the arguments that I hate the most, the arguments idea, aren't the same. They're not the same at all. They're not the same at all. And and like, I saw it over and over and over again. And I, I'm just going to call it out. I I know that a lot of people, probably even a lot of our listeners, have this opinion. This idea that, oh, if that was me, I would I would want to prove this. And like, and I saw like people taking that that shot constantly. If it was me, I would have done this. Listen, here's the deal. What you're actually like, let's break down what you're actually saying. Listen, I know I'm 40. And I don't play sports in college right now. Maybe I never even did. But in this situation that I've made up in my own head, right? 
not only would I have done this and be the hero to my own story that's not real, but I would have done, I, I, I'm so morally sound, I'm so competitive, I would have done this. You know what? You never had the fucking chance to do that. And also, it's so easy to sit here and say like, oh my God, I would have done this. But shut the fuck up. Like, shut the fuck up about this whole bullshit keyboard bravado of this kind of person I would be, that's the kind of competitor I would, I would have done this. You don't fucking know that. For like I, I say this all the time, I don't argue about hypothetical unless it's about Alabama. But like that is the dumbest, lamest shit that I saw all fucking weekend from people shitting on these kids who, by the way, it, for the, the kids that opted out who who had nothing to play for. Sadly enough, they had nothing to play for apparently all season, Tyler, the way the committee treated them. So yeah, why would they not like what I, I just yeah. it, but, Two things can be true at the same time. Georgia, tip of the cap for you guys, like like playing the game. Florida State, I, I hate it for you. I, I get it. I'm not going to sit here and shit on you for that. But this, the last thing I'll say about this this whole thing, I knew that it was going to come from I, – I knew that these two fan bases were going to have some comments about the Rose Bowl because they could have done – like, we would have done this. Here's the bottom line. Like, there you could have made the case for six teams. But if you find yourself enjoying – Somebody that like you know, I enjoy when Georgia loses. Admittedly, I do, because just the nature of, of of that that rivalry in quotes. But if you find if I would have gone if I would have gone on Twitter, Tyler, after Bama lost to Texas, if a month later, when Texas lost to Oklahoma, I would make the claim that Bama could have beat Oklahoma. This is pathetic. Well, do you see how fucking stupid that sounds? Do you see how fucking insane you'd have to be to say, hey, the team that that my team lost to just got beat. And somehow in my mind, that makes me think that, that we could beat the team that beat them. You couldn't beat them. And if you think Jalen oh, yeah. was, was mid or he sucked and they couldn't do this and that the offensive line was so bad, you had a chance to prove it. And, and I heard, I heard your players, your coaches and, and all your fans very loudly tell me exactly what they were going to do. And they didn't. Right. No, look, I mean, I, I, I was getting the same way over the weekend. I, by the way, best feature that I didn't know Twitter had is muting all notifications of people either liking or um, responding to you that you don't follow. Yeah. It's the best because I yeah. don't see any of the just grime that comes up when you just try to tweet something and it's like 63 to 3, bitch, cope with that. And it's like, okay, so now this is this is the only reason I hate that this game went this way. Is because if you ever try to say something nice about your own school, someone's gonna right. just come into your comments and be like, Yeah, but 63 to 3 cope. It's like, okay, yeah. yeah, this was all real. This was like a I'm sure you'll always remember the, the 2023 Orange Bowl. Oh, the, and, great, and, uh, the great I, culture off where we nobody's gonna remember this game in a week. That's the problem with it. Right. Nobody that cares. is actually very fair. Nobody um, cares. I will say this too. Like I I I love winning and I and I, I want like be able to win like national titles. And I understand this is the first time in 15 years they that they went for a three-year stretch without winning one. And Georgia's got two in the last three years. But I tell you what, man, Rose Bowl bummed me out. You know what really doesn't bum me out? And and like like the measure of six. I saw Georgia Fed say this the other day about how uh Imagine losing two uh, two games in a season in back-to-back years. Buddy, y'all did that for 40 fucking years in a row. For 40 fucking years in a row. 
And and I get listen, like the Natties, like you guys have one of the best programs in the country. And and before this year, you were the best program in the country. You're not now. Do you know why that is? It's because you lost to Alabama again. Yeah. So enjoy the loss because you should. Because like I I love when the Yankees lose. I love when Tennessee loses. We're all fans. I I get it. I I, I listen. There's a lot of Georgia fans that listen to this podcast that I genuinely love and love talking to about football and 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 like respect and all that kind of stuff. And I respect the shit out of that program. But just like they would, you know, pull against Bama, like of, of course we're all fans. As you know, so yeah, I'm sad about the the Rose Bowl. But the moment I saw my mentions being flooded with Georgia fans, I was like. We ended your season a month ago. Um, all right. What else we got? You want to get into the rest of these? Uh, yeah. So let's talk about uh, Cotton Bowl, Missouri with the fourteen to three win over Ohio State. Yeah. What was that? Did it end up being zero zero at half? What was the score at halftime? No, Ohio State. Oh my God, this pissed me off so much. Ohio State. So this was the lock of the year for me with picks. My picks were up and down for for bowl season. But I had Missouri to score first, and I had Missouri first half because they had not trailed in the first half at any game this season. In the, it was one of the worst officiated games, especially for the first half that I've ever seen. It, it like Mizzou got screwed over repeatedly, and at one point, Ohio State kicked a field goal to score first, and then Mizzou, like re- they recovered a fumble inside of of the ten yard line, and yeah. and and it was the weirdest thing because. Somebody comes up like and hits hits the quarterback. He fumbles, and it the ball just lays there. And a Missouri player standing over picks it up and hands it to the official. And and the one of the one of the refs comes in and it's going. He's down. He's down. He's down. And then somebody else, like I guess like whoever's in charge, on the mic goes, the ruling in the play. Was the ruling of the field was a fumble from the quarterback, but recovered by the offense. And then I was like, "What?" It, so then they they didn't review it. It was clearly a fumble. He never recovered it at all. Everything they said from every angle was wrong. Like every single possible, like mind blowing. And that was the last they scored. Now listen, Ohio State had a lot of opt outs too, and and, and whatever. Yeah. I think this was the best. Color me shocked that Marvin Jones or uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't play in this game. Like and, the, and all Michigan. leading up to the game, it's like, oh, he's been working out with the team. He's not decided if he's cut. He might come back to Ohio. He's not coming yeah, back to Ohio State. No, there's no reason to. But I mean, it, and that's not. This isn't shitting on Ohio State because they're a very good football team, but like. Going into the season or bowl season, I remember I told you, I was like, there's not a better situation or setup for like a, a team with a lot to prove versus a team with nothing to prove than this one. And yeah. listen, Mizzou ends the season with 11 wins. It's the third time they've done that in the last 11 years. Um, incredible season from, from Drinkwitz. I thought I thought this was so, like, I felt like this. they had a really good chance to, to take advantage of this opportunity, and they did. And, and you know, 14 to 3, it was a pretty miserable game to watch, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, you know, tip of the cap to them. Um, speaking of 11 wins. No, that's not where I was going to go with that. <laughs> I was like, um, where are we going with that? Ole Miss. So the Peach Bowl. Um, I thought that, I thought that uh, this was kind of cool because people from the outside, one of the lazy takes with the SEC is that, you know, it's it's Bama and Georgia and everyone else sort of riding their coattails. Um, and... This year, the SEC, with Ole Miss beating Penn State, finished with four different teams with 11 wins. 
And I was like, does that ever happen? Before? That seems like a lot. And I asked Connor about it. And he's like, I don't think the Big Ten's on it. The Big Ten has had like three, it's seemingly almost every year for like a decade, it feels like. But the SEC had four different teams with 11 wins, um, which, fun fact, there has been another time that's like another conference has um, accomplished that. It just happens to also be the SEC. They've done it now five times since 2011. They've had four teams with 11 or more wins. Um, so incredible job like for in a down year for the conference which a lot of people including us said um a, a pretty incredible stretch there back to the old miss part of it i i said this before the game i thought Ole miss would win but i thought sec fans would be shocked about how physically um challenging penn state was going to be in the trenches and they got the ball out of the gates and, and ran it down Ole miss's throat um this was a fun game. This is a fun game. Like we kept saying how confusing yeah. that, that Penn State was somehow favored um, with, with the people they had missing. They, very good back and forth game, especially in the, in the first half or so. Um, I thought this was awesome to watch, man. The, the, the fact, like, again, you love to see people cash in on opportunities when, when they are presented with them. Lane Kiffin being able to win a game against a top 10 team that has been vaunt, this vaunted defense. Almost put up 540 yards and 38 points. It was the most points in total yards that Penn State has allowed to anyone all season. Um, I think they only given up over 20 points, I think, uh, once, uh, like all year. Incredible job from, from Ole Miss, especially early when things weren't working and they had to fight through it. Yeah, um, and, you know, we talked about momentum going into the offseason. Um, their portal season, plus you got Jackson Darfish who says he's coming back. Um, you've got another year of Quinshawn Judkins. Um, I believe Trey Harris, who had 135 yards in this game, and Caden Prescorn, the tight end that had a really good game, are both gone. But they're going to have a lot of weapons, um, mm -hmm. a, a remade defense, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of the most hyped teams going into preseason next year. By the way, speaking of cashing in on opportunities, how about Kiffin's girlfriend? Did you see yeah. him post the picture? On the field with the with the caption that says thirty eight student. She's twenty five. Huh. I think. Good for him. It said thirty eight twenty five was the caption he posted, like because that was the score of the game. One of the best comments I've seen maybe all year on Twitter. Somebody responded immediately with forty eight twenty five next to it. Um yeah, good for Kevin, man. He just he keep, keeps winning. Uh that's that'll be really interesting. I think that's going to be a very very hyped team next year. And I will tell you right now, prediction. I, I think that they're going to be good. This better not turn into like a. I I feel like it's already going to turn into if they somehow don't like win the SEC or or get ten wins or or whatever. People are going to say that this is a, we always say Ole Miss is going to do this and they they always fall apart. Like, what's kind of crazy about this? This is the first eleven win season eleven win season in Ole Miss history. Um, and they're going into season next year. I don't know if you've seen their schedule, but all things considered, it is very manageable compared so to like not some, like Florida's, not even close. Yeah. It is it, like I don't want to say it's like easy because like with everything like you know, there's not an easy SEC schedule in the in the conference, but like it is very very manageable. Like they lose Bama off that schedule. Um, I believe they still have Georgia, which is interesting, and I think they get Oklahoma as well. But like. The non-con schedule is 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 pretty easy. Like they they are on paper. Like I mean, not sound like Dabo, but like buy your stock. Yeah, no doubt. 
Um, some other highlights in bowl season, uh, Oregon, I mean, we're not going to break that down, but they just destroyed Liberty 45 to six. Really good year. I mean, it's crazy. The only two losses are both to Washington. Like that just, yeah. Washington just had an incredible year, but um, uh, Oregon's going to be another team that's going to be hot going into next year. They got Dylan Gabriel coming in. They also yeah. got Dante Moore waiting oh, wings. Um, so, and the, the portal still has to play out because now <laughs> as we're in the middle of bowl season, the NCAA changed the rules about being able to tr- just basically transfer whenever you want. doesn't matter. Yeah. You can transfer multiple times. So there's going to be a whole new round of guys that are going to the portal after the season, bowl season. So we'll see what happens there. And um, also, pretty, it's already a, a destination school, I feel like, for a lot of recruits because of Nike and the uniforms, all that stuff. But, like, regardless if it's fair or not, like, now they're leaving the Pac-12 and going into the Big Ten, which is going to be, like obviously, like, they have a national footprint from coast to coast and, and it will be national games on CBS. Like, like there's even more selling points for Oregon now. And I think Dan Lanning has gotten like, he's got that thing trending very, very up. Yeah. Um, Iowa didn't score any points. I had the, so I had the under 36 in that game. It was 35, right? 35, nothing. The numbers on the, so there were some fascinating lines that came out with these, with some of these games. Um, and Tennessee was about to score at the very end too. They were trying to run it in. Tennessee first half money line I thought was was one of the easier bets because because Tennessee has a good defense and Iowa's offense is I just I don't get Iowa's it. offense is just it's so bad it's so bad and then and then you find out Tennessee is actually starting with you know the how did they win ten you know? games with that offense okay so I I I, I don't want to revert back to my old ways and turn back into like a, a Big Ten slanderer but I've yeah. got some numbers that I need to share with you okay um, one Kudos to Tennessee. Great, great job with a, with a true freshman quarterback and, and like good, good win. I can say again, 10 win Big Ten championship participant team. They were ranked. Here's a fun fact for you, Tyler. Iowa played three ranked teams all year. Do you want to guess how many points total they scored in those three games? 10. Zero. They lost. 31 nothing to Penn State, they lost 26 nothing to Michigan, and they lost 35 nothing to Tennessee. My um, God. A game that we didn't mention, but it's it's worth mentioning. Um, that was actually a really good finish was LSU and Wisconsin. Uh LSU's defense, they did what they've done all year and just let Wisconsin run all over them early on. It was like they were up 14 nothing. Um at one point I think they were down 28-14. They come storming back. Dustmeyer looked kind of shaky early, but he he had, I think he had an interception. Ends up passing for like 300 some yards. Um, but I bring that up because of one thing. So LSU beats Washington. Ole Miss beats Penn State. Mizzou beats Ohio State. Tennessee beats Iowa. The four, those are all ranked teams. That's, those are four ranked teams, right? Um, now, Bama lost to Michigan for sure. And Maryland fucking skull dragged Auburn, which was ridiculous. I can't hear you. You're muted. Can we get into the topic about Hugh Freeze basically like admitting that he just like punted on games this season? Like, I, it's probably not going to matter in the long term, especially if they keep recruiting the way that they're starting to. But that's a weird thing to say. Like, man, that didn't really put much time into this. Like, you are paying yeah, me as head coach. Let's, let's do address that. Mike Giddens um, from War Report at Auburn asked the question after this game. They got fucking destroyed. 
It was 31-13. Not even that close. 31-13. They scored a, a touchdown late. They were down 21-0 out of the gates against a backup quarterback. They were they were a touchdown favorite. Their fans took over the city of Nashville, all that kind of shit. Um, I think what I was most shocked about, and maybe I shouldn't because I'm the one that always says they're too stupid to insult. They're always going to find some positive silver lining. When he was asked about his reaction to the game plan today, the offensive game plan, and and what went wrong, because Mike was you know kind of like addressing it like, hey, like Mike is is he's been openly said and followed through on like holding Hughes' feet to the fire on a couple of things like like quarterback development because that's what he prided himself on in his own press conference and that's what it's like his track record's been. And, you know, like, you got to hold people accountable. And so he asked the question about the game plan, the opposite game plan. And I know that Auburn doesn't have a lot of people there and, and the, the coverage bear, all that kind of stuff. But at some point, you have to look at your coach, who, by the way, has had instant success at every other stop. Ole Miss had, had one SEC win in the two years combined before he got there. They had three their first year, and they went to a bowl game. Liberty, he took, or sorry, Arkansas State, they had a 10 win season his first year. They hadn't had a, a, a 10 win season since 1995. Like he's, he's done that everywhere he's gone. And at the very least, they've had tremendous offensive success. You, at some point, the excuses have to stop. And, and like, I know that the cupboard wasn't full, but to ask a head coach in the SEC what, the, what his involvement or what he thought about the game plan and his response to be, I wasn't really involved in the game plan, to be honest. I, I didn't. I was. I didn't really focus on this game because I was focused on recruiting and 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 that like building for next year. I Which was, is, by the way, I think that that's probably the case for most first year coaches that were in bowls this year. But you can't just admit that publicly. Signing day ended a week and a half before he said that. And that's fair too. But then you got the portal. Sure. Sure, but the hay is in the barn for most of those people. And yeah, uh, but what I'm saying, yeah, but what I'm saying is, even if even if that is the case, like there's times where you can be brutally honest, and times where you may want to just kind of like, yeah, be brutally maybe, honest. Maybe be a part of the game plan for the fucking New Mexico State game, right? Like instead of only planning yeah. for Bama, like that's what I've heard. And in this case, like I, you know, credit to Auburn fans for defending him, but like, man, it like you know what probably would have also been a good thing to do. Hugh is game plan for a, a seven and five Maryland team who didn't have their starting quarterback, the all-time Big Ten leading passer, and then go win a bowl game and have a winning season instead of having a third straight losing season. I just thought that was like the weirdest fucking thing to say out loud. And maybe maybe it is something that's more prevalent at a lot of schools. I don't know. Um, and I do think that Auburn obviously is clearly trending in the right direction and they, he's done a tremendous job recruiting. But it it almost spoke to like it was like a perfect example of what their the fan base has been so loud about for the last two months, which is yeah yeah. Listen, I know that we lost in Ohio State. I know that we lost in horrific fashion against Alabama in a game we should have won. By the way, the reason they didn't is because of coaching. And then I know we probably should have been prepared and not gotten our ass like kicked by by Maryland in the bowl game. But man, these recruits, dude. Do you see these 17, 18 year old kids bringing in for next year? It was it was the perfect like the quote was the embodiment of that the, their fans' attitude over the last two months. So, listen, they're happy with it. That's all you can ask for. It's not. I maybe it's just not my place to judge. Um, I would be upset if my coach said that. Yeah, I would too. Um, all right. Well, anything else you wanted to cover? I mean, obviously there were some other smaller games. Yeah. Um, Clemson won again. So that was 
that was something. I feel like there's probably some other games that were good. Arizona, Oklahoma was pretty fun. Um, I don't even know what else. It was it was a, a, a fun into the bowl season. LSU, Wisconsin. I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer had almost 400 yards passing. Tanner Morikow was really good in that game too, three three seventy five. Yeah. Uh, but even with um, Leak Davis only playing half the game. Um, you know, he was able to put almost 400 yards of uh, passing yards. Defense still sucks. Producer so Dan bad. still producer Dan still angry with uh, yeah. the defensive coordinator. I don't know how um, Matt has his job. And also, I, I tweeted this out like I would give almost anything if they would have if so they need to start making these bowl games like like stop having conference size stop like give the fans what they want and and create like like the best storylines you can. For instance, LSU versus Iowa. Would have been a tremendous storyline. Like watching Brian Ferentz and his fucking offense go against this madhouse defense would have been awesome. Um yeah. that game, the, the only thing other thing I had was um I Arizona, Oklahoma. Three. You watched that? That was a great game. I did. Ten wins this year. Yeah. Um, no, so this I thought this was interesting yesterday. And and again, the SEC is, is not going to play for a national championship for the first time in 10 years and only the second time I think in the last like 17 or 18 years. Um, so, but I thought this was really, really surprising specifically in these games against uh, with like these like bigger, you know, brand uh, big 10 teams that have been uh, one thing the big 10 fans say all the time is that the sec is propped up by like the media. And the other reason they, they're, they have these ranked wins or these teams ranked is because like the strength of schedule is a lie. They, 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 give them too much credit, and that's why, like, blah, blah, blah. Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State were all ranked in the top 17 going into bowl season. Three of them were in the top 10 and had been for the entire year. Now, you want to talk about getting propped up because of your fucking blue blood status from things that were accomplished 30 to 80 years ago? The Big Ten came into the, the into bowl games with four of the top five uh, defenses in terms of yards per game allowed. They came into the bowl game or uh, bowl season with the top four overall scoring defense in the entire country. The top four defenses in terms of points per game allowed were all from the Big Ten. And then Wisconsin was 17th. Wisconsin was a top 20 scoring defense as well. Um, and they came into the games with, with those very high, we thought deserved rankings. Then you look at what they hit the games against SEC teams, Ohio State. Ohio State scored three points. It's the fewest points they've scored in a single game in seven years against Missouri. There's one. Wisconsin played LSU. Wisconsin gave up the most. They had the 17th ranked scoring defense in the country coming in. They gave up the most yards and most points they allowed all season to LSU. Penn State had uh, was ranked in the top three in every defensive category, it seemed like. They gave up the most points and the most yards to any team that they've given up to all season against Ole Miss. Iowa, most points they've allowed all season, every every which way you look at it from those games, embarrassingly and drastically different than than the stats that, that were put up with them all year. So I just thought that was really interesting. What do you think about? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously, Canell is trying to stir the pot all the time on Twitter. But what do you think about his idea? I don't know if it's his idea, but he was talking about it of putting bowl season at the beginning of the season. No, I think that's stupid. I don't. You know, you know, honestly, man, I hate to sound like a fucking get off my lawn, old head, whatever you want to say. But I would like to just have some, like maybe we take a break from from changing everything about the fucking sport. Yeah, I just don't know how uh, you ever make the bowl games a thing anymore. 
but, but so, that are like, important to people. Like, cause like, you know, you're listening to these stats, like, yeah, this is the worst that they did all year. This is the best they did all year. But it's like, I don't even know how to compare that because it's not the same. You don't yeah. know what motivation levels are there. You don't know opt outs, injuries. So it's just like, I'd love for these games to actually mean something. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's totally fair. I think it's totally fair. And like, I, I when I these are just statistical facts. Like, yeah, I'm, right. I'm not I'm not even trying to make a statement like when they played the SEC because again, like we I said, Maryland beat Auburn, and you know, like Bama got beat by Michigan, and and the SEC is not going to play for the national championship. But you talk about playing it in the middle of the season. I thought this was one of the best bowl seasons I've watched in forever, especially the last week or so of it. Like super competitive college football playoff. A lot of the New Year's Six games besides yours, I thought was was decent, right? Well, I guess maybe there's there were some that weren't as. I mean, Missouri, Ohio State was that not was a great season. watch, but yeah. I, I don't I don't know how you make that matter more, or whatever. To like like for some of the the the, the opt-outs. I, I I don't know what the answer is to that, but like bottom line is like you you talk about like I don't know how you would do it early season bowl games, but these end up just being non-conference exhibition games. And I think if you approach it like that and you like, you know, like it's not the end of the world if you lose a bowl game at all. Right. You know, I, I think that like leaning into the idea of, hey, let's see what kind of like younger starters and, and recruits or whatever, like how they look and the future being bright. You know, I, I think like going, you just have to, at some point, we'll, I think we'll finally be used to how bowl season is becoming. I don't think it could be worse. So I think once we used to, because people, listen, there's fucking 40 something bowls. And the only reason there there are is because they're still making money and they're still, you know, being watched and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I don't know how to tell you to how to make Ohio and and or like Georgia Tech and, and UCF matter to everyone. But I also don't know how to explain to you like why it fucking like I'm going to be invested and watch it just because I'm a college football fan. Yeah, and gambling. Gambling does keep most things alive. Yeah. Or or have them slowly die inside. What, what was your what was your well, let's end with this? What was your so plan? yes so yesterday I went two and two. I took Alabama money line mm. uh, because once it went to two and a half, that did scare me. But I also got like decent odds on Bama money right up. Yeah, uh, I went. I won the Oregon Liberty game. Yeah, I, I crushed that one. Yeah, I won the wash. I took Washington plus four. And the other one I lost was what was the first game? Oh, um, what was the one that was? Eight? Oh, LSU. Yeah, I had them eight and a half. I had so I had Nesmeyer over one and a half um, touchdowns. I had uh, what's the receiver's name? I fuck up this every single Brian Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. I had him over sixty and a half uh, receiving yards. And I, the, I didn't, I didn't take them to cover anything. I just had them te- tease down with other games. Um, I did miss. I think Malik Neighbors anytime touchdown score there. Tennessee, I had Tennessee to score first, and Tennessee win the first half because because Iowa just was not going to score first. I thought um, nailed that one. That was really the only score first prop that I hit. It felt like all bowl season. So I got both of those. Had them tied into like a, some money line and like and like teaser stuff that I, I posted. And then, dude. Uh, Oregon was good because you this is a situation where you could live bet because they were losing it the first quarter, yeah. but like had them, um, what was it? I had them over 21 or yeah, team total first half over 20 and a half points. Uh, had them winning the first half, covering eight. Um, 
what was it? There was something else that I hit too, but it was might have been like I don't remember what it was. I, I hit four picks in that one, though the the full game line at sixteen and a half. Um, yeah, so I, I hit all those, and then I you know Bama, the one I was pretty confident in, I thought was going to be good. Bama Michigan first score field goal. I thought that was like a really underrated bet, and it didn't hit. Yeah. So. Well, one game left. Mm-hmm. We will preview that at our next episode. But for now, that's me the end of the show. Um, as always, we really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Don't forget, uh, it's a new year. We need new reviews, new five-star reviews. Uh, so if you go to Apple and Spotify, leave us those reviews. That would be great. We will, yeah. uh, as always, leave them, uh, read them on air. And there were a handful of voicemails, but that kind of trailed off. We didn't really, yeah, we didn't really promote that too much. But we will obviously. Um, I don't know how much we'll do it throughout the season. What maybe we'll make some judgments on that going forward. But um, you know, it's always going to be open seven seven zero six seven four eight two three three. And uh, don't forget to check out the videos and clips from the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and obviously our YouTube page. So we really appreciate you guys tuning in, um, and we look forward to previewing the national championship game between Michigan and Washington. So yeah, Chris on Tyler. Real quick, Tyler, let's do this for the, for the national championship. Because like, we're not going to be invested into it with our teams. Let's do it like we did with the Super Bowl, with prop bets and just do a deep dive into that. Okay. Yeah, love that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, All right. guys. Thanks.